future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Brought to you by 360karma.com. Today, I'm excited to have on a trailblazing producer here in Los Angeles, Suzanne Farwell. She's uh, been involved with some of my favorite movies, uh, It's Complicated with Meryl Streep, and uh, Something's Gotta Give with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton, and we're excited to talk to her this morning. Later in the show, we're going to be talking with Monica Phillips, and she's the director of The Friendly House, which is the oldest uh, rehab center in the country for women, and uh, we're going to talk about her fascinating journey to that position. So stay tuned for that. Right now, please give a warm welcome to Suzanne Farewell. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? Hi, I'm good, Catherine. Thank awesome. You. Awesome. Good. It's good to have you here. Uh, you know, you you absolutely, what I just said in the opening is true. You've produced some of my favorite movies. <laughs> and um, Thank I, you. what I love is uh, talking about your journey mm-hmm to Los Angeles because there's so many people around the country uh, or even here in Los Angeles that want to get into the business but I really applaud you coming from outside of LA because there's so much nepotism here and uh, let's face it a lot of the people here involved in everything from producing to directing to writing and acting um, are from families that are from here they or they grew up here mm-hmm. and so they have the connections and everything but right. what I'm really impressed about is that you know you came from the East Coast from uh, Pittsburgh in the DC area and um, wanted to get in the movie business so we're gonna talk about how you did that that. But first, um, I always like to talk about people's background. You know, uh, it, it, this is like not cocktail far, you know, fodder, you know, like, you uh-huh. know, typically I wouldn't, you know, know these things about you. You know, you don't meet someone and go, hey, you know, where did you grow up and what were your biggest obstacles? Sure. And uh, you were explaining to me that your dad was uh, an FBI agent. He was. Which sounds really cool and exciting (laughs) it was cool and exciting and dangerous (laughs) and dangerous but then you shared with me like this horrific story Mm -hmm. that he was actually involved in like the bloodiest day in history in the fbi and was it was shot at yes yeah oh Um, my god tell us the story yeah it was it was um a really um tragic incident actually in uh, I was a senior in high school in oh Miami which is uh, where I grew up for the most part and um, he it was a uh, it was uh, ironic actually because he had transferred from the narcotics squad which was proving to be too stressful to the bank robbery kidnapping and extortion squad oh my and which he was running and um, long story short it turned out it was um, very um, uh, dangerous uh, bank robbers who had killed several armored car guards and they ended mm. up in a in a, a gunfight uh, that lasted for six minutes. Um, two of the men on my dad's squad were killed. Oh my gosh, um, that's and, horrific. And uh, he was shot um, five times and barely survived. So, oh my um, yeah, that was, that was um, pretty traumatic. Um, I, I can't incident. even imagine. Um, luckily, he survived and um, went on to actually become a motivational speaker. Really? Um, and spoke to law enforcement agencies around the country and became very much in demand. Um, he was a, a really... Um, charismatic and um, inspiring um, speaker and he talked about um, 
surviving adversity and you know just it was able to extrapolate that um, that experience to uh, to all kinds of things even business so right yeah. and you said that that impacted you too obviously it did yeah. I mean I think what it taught me is that you know life can turn on a dime and yeah. things can change in an instant and mm. to sort of seize the day and go for it and yeah. um, and needless to say you didn't want to be an FBI agent. I did not <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to follow in his career path so what's the next coolest thing oh movie producer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well I always you know I um, I always loved I was a huge movie lover and mm-hmm. I was also into really into books and you know I just love stories of all kinds yeah and um, so that too. was sort of yeah. um, what sort of led me on the path yeah I love I hearing today. people's stories yeah I do yeah. too yeah I do too yeah I love hearing them. You love telling them. Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) Uh, So how did you make your way from, you know, Miami and D.C. uh, to Los Angeles? I I know you were telling me after you graduated, you started a – Uh, your master's out here, right? Yeah, I moved out here to go to graduate school, and I um, studied English literature, and I really wasn't sure. At beautiful Pepperdine? At Pepperdine, yeah. It's not a bad view from the library. Does school get any better than that? No, If anybody hasn't been there, I mean, it's in Malibu. It overlooks the ocean. Life is good. Yeah, Yeah. it was a nice view from the library there. It was uh, just gorgeous. Um, And it was, that was a great experience. And um, but what I realized, and I wasn't sure if I was going to go into publishing or, you know, uh, what I wanted to do with that. But, um, you know, sort of being in L.A. and and being around the film business and meeting people in the industry, Mm -hmm. I was very intrigued. And I thought, you know, why don't I why don't I give this a shot and see? It, it felt, as you said, when you don't come from here or you're not around it, you, it sort of feels like, how do I break into that? Of course. Um, I think everyone thinks that. Whether they're a, a director, writer, producer, yeah. you know, uh, actor, mm-hmm. it always feels insurmountable to break into this industry. Yeah. And anyone that has... You really have to applaud them because it is not easy. It's not yeah. easy. It's um, it's a very competitive business. Um, but what I found is, you know, working hard and, um, you know, you you can um, you can overcome those obstacles and you can break in. I started at um, I got some advice um, to start at a talent agency mm-hmm. um, because the talent agencies, you know, like CAA, at the one I worked ended up getting a job at was at the time the William Morris Agency. It's now William Morris Endeavor, which is huge. It's huge. I and mean, that um, was a lucky break. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a job just as an assistant, yeah. and um, you know, someone said to me, you know, the the agencies are the central nervous system of the of the entertainment business. So that's where you're going to sort of learn the names and learn what the different career paths are and mm-hmm. and sort of like boot camp where you learn how to work at the pace and learn the lingo and you know all yeah. that and, um, so I did that for about a year and um, what was great is that you're sort of alongside other people your age you're all in the trenches you work really long hours yeah it's very intense but um, I've stayed friends with uh, many of the uh, people that I worked alongside um, in those days as, ass- as assistants who have progressed in our careers as producers or writers or, you know, whatever um, whatever our paths may so be. So did you start in the mailroom? I is did that, not start. That... <laughs> that is a thing. But generally, you start in the mailroom if you know you want to be an agent. Right. And you that's started sort of in the, the female room. The training, pro- <laughs> the training program. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I knew I didn't want to be an agent. Yeah. Um, so I did it just really for the experience. Yeah. And then um, about a year after, I did my year. Yeah, you're too nice to be an agent. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? Yeah, Am I right? I, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, they. 
I, I know I know some nice agents, yeah. but yeah, um, there's some not tough. so nice ones. Yeah, too. I think um, you have to have thick skin is what do. I meant. Like, well, well, you learn, yeah. and, and I did learn how to have. I did learn to have thick skin you in did. that job. That was good training yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, but I knew I wanted to Maybe work. Maybe I should go work there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I learned a lot. Yeah. I learned a lot. Um, I let's see what happened then. Um, so then I. Um, I, I, I sort of narrowed down. I, I was looking around at all the different career paths that you could take, and I was I, I said I want to be a producer. I want to be a creative producer. Mm-hmm. And that's to, what felt right. That's what felt right. Yeah, I felt like the path for me. So, um, but I wanted to work on an actual film. I wasn't as interested in like development, like script reading, you know, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. I was more interested at that time in, in actually exp- being on set and and learning yeah. what it's like to actually physically be part of making a movie yeah so um, exciting yeah and I um there was a job you list. and a million other people yes. just saying yes yes exactly <laughs> but um, you got to do it you got to I live did. the dream I did yeah I, did. I um I started um so there was a job listing um uh, a sort of a an internal um entertainment business job posting um through one of the agencies that um Nancy Myers was looking for an assistant on her, uh, the first movie that she was to direct. Uh, up until that time, she and her uh, husband at the time, Charles Shire, had co-written movies like Baby Boom and Father of the Bride movies and those mm-hmm. kinds of films. And um, they co-wrote them. He directed and she produced. And this at this time, uh, for the remake of The Parent Trap, um, she was directing uh, oh, for the first time. Cool. So and, 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 and at that time, it's so rare to have a woman director, even now, but I mean, yes. even more so then, yes. she's become such a famous female yes. director. Yes. So how fortunate that you got I was associated so, with her. So lucky. Yeah. Very, very lucky. And um, I was fortunate that she um, was very, I got the job. <laughs> uh, and um and she was very inclusive and um, gave me a lot of responsibility. And so um, even just in my assistant position on that job, I, you know, and I had never been on a movie set, so I had no idea what I was doing. But what I lacked in experience, yeah. I made up for with enthusiasm. And just, you know, that goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. You know, they'll say, you know, people can have all the talent in the world, but the other huge, most the other biggest part of it is your attitude yeah. and your enthusiasm yeah. and your tenacity. Yeah, yeah, it was. And that's what really got me through. And um, that, that thing about 80% of it is showing up is true. Yeah, right? it is yeah. true. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I didn't get much sleep on that movie, I remember. But um, <laughs> um, I worked really hard and we um, I remember that movie. I love yeah, that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. So Nancy's a, such a talented director and writer. She is. Um, but so I was, yeah, so I was very fortunate to um, to have that opportunity. And, and then I was I was hooked. I was like, I, there's nothing else for me to yeah. do, you know, to do in terms of yeah. uh, my future, my career. So it's so great, isn't it? When you're so aligned with what you're meant to be doing, mm-hmm. what your gifts are. Yeah. It, you know, no, no better joy in that. You can work a lot of hours and not care because you're doing what you love. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't feel like work, work. is fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, when, when you love what you do, work is, is fun. And, um, and yeah, so I, I, that sort of, uh, that sort of was the deciding moment for me. And, um, you know, brings me to today. But yeah, when you realize what your passion is and what your what your purpose is, we had a couple of little detours there. Yeah, yeah. So then you got pregnant. I got pregnant and with had my your daughter, beautiful daughter, Kate. Yes, yeah. who just um, just started her freshman year in college, and so um, I can't believe it. It's yeah, seventeen years ago. Um, but what I thought was so cool is after you got pregnant, had Kate, uh, Nancy called you to come back in a very big role, mm-hmm. which I love that. She was for pulling for women yes. and 
helping women. Like we need more of that today. Yes. Women helping women. Yes. And that I think it was great that back then when it wasn't as common that she was mm -hmm. uh, willing to give a leg up to another woman. So tell everybody, then she made you the president of uh, Waverly Films. Of Waverly so, Films. Um, so, uh, wow, that must have been. Yeah. I'd like to have seen your face on that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good day. That was yeah, a good that was day. a really good day. Um, she, um, yeah, she, well, she had made What Women Want um, when I was home taking, you know, with Kate for the first two, uh, almost two years. And the movie was a massive success. At the time, it was the highest grossing romantic comedy of all time. Wow. Um, I think to this day, it's number two, still behind My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So um, so that was a huge success. And so she um, was offered a, um, a great uh, production deal at Sony. Tony. And um, yeah, called and asked me if I was ready to come back to work and if I wanted to run her company, which oh was just the most incredible opportunity. And um, so that was fantastic and exciting. And um, I accepted. And <laughs> um, and while at Sony, under that deal, we made um, Something's Gotta Give, which was what a that. thrill. Work. Oh. I mean, it's one of my it's one of my favorite one of my favorite movies of, of all time. Um, I think a lot of people would say that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, to me, it's like a perfect movie. Yeah. I just, I love it so much, and um, being able to. I think we talked about that. We yeah. both love movies that make you laugh, make you cry. They're yeah. poignant. They're fun. You know, Romantic they kind of have and, it all yeah. there. And like you were saying, they really don't make as many movies like that today. And it's a shame. It's like. Uh, it's such a great genre, but I know your new company is focused on that. Yes. So we're going to get to that because yeah. that is super exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. The um, the the studios at uh, the studio level, they're just it's, they're not making as many of those films anymore. Right. You know, like um, like something's got to give, or like um, it's complicated, or um, you know, Jerry Maguire, or yeah. Um, I'm yeah. trying to think of when Harry met Sally. There's yeah. just, Romantic you know, they comedies. make there a lot more of, uh, uh, you know, the tent poles and the action movies and the sequels. Yeah. And Which is so not my genre. Not my And, you know, thing. let's face it. Uh, okay, so the baby boomers are the biggest part of the population today. Mm -hmm. That means that's my generation, mm -hmm. which is women in their for, uh, late 40s, 50s, 60s. Yes. And, and that's the kind of movies we like, yes. and we're a huge part of the population, yes. and there's no movies being made for us, which is why I'm so happy yeah. that you and Suzanne, uh, Susan Cartonas, Cartonas uh -huh. uh, that you guys have uh, launched uh, Resonate Films, yes. which is female-driven uh, yeah. films like the ones we're talking about. Yeah, it's films for the I'm female excited. audience, because we, yeah, we know that it's women are a huge... Uh, and hungry and very underserved audience, mm -hmm. and that when you make films for women, they show up time and again. Why, why do you think the studios don't? Is it because men run the studios, yeah. so they can't even see it is that I, it's a yeah. uh, untapped niche? I th yeah, I think I, it, think, I think, so. think that is what it is. It's sort of a, I like to say it's a long-standing institutional gender bias, and they just I think um, people are they make what they like rather than what. What they, I think needed? what speaks to them and to yeah. their own experience. Mm -hmm. And um, so more often than not, um, you know, they're, they're going to, 
you know, green light um, and champion films yeah. that are the, more what 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 hangover trip to Vegas. Yes, or, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's the mission of Resonate is to uh, make films for the female audience and to um, you know take advantage of this um, opportunity, frankly, economic opportunity. Yes. Um, to make these films that we know women um, show up to see. And you guys have such a track record in this, mm -hmm. so you're the perfect combination to yeah. put this together. Yeah. And um, I know you just produced also, uh, right before, uh, a cute movie I love called Carrie Pilby, uh -huh. which is on Netflix. It's on Netflix, Netflix now. Yeah. We were out, um, we had a, a limited theatrical release, but then we were on, uh, we had a, a very big digital uh, release on iTunes and Amazon. And it's we a were, darling movie. Thank I love you. it. It was very, we were very thrilled to see how it did. It was uh, the number one movie on iTunes for six weeks. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Think, number one indie movie. And I think and, that was uh, great for all age women. Yes. Yeah. Because we enjoyed it, you know, in yes. our age. And then I think millennials would enjoy it yeah. too. Because mm -hmm. it's about a young girl. Yeah. 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 So that was my first independent filmmaking experience, which was really, um, you know, exciting and new and yeah. just a huge change. I'd only made movies for studios up until that point. So wow. that was a big, uh, big change. Big and budget changer. Yeah, big budget changer. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but so for people that uh, maybe don't know the business, you know, there's studio movies that they throw a gazillion dollars mm -hmm. behind it. And then there's the indie movies that are usually the best movies. Yeah. Uh, with the heart and soul behind them, mm -hmm. but it's hard to raise money for that, and that's what you do. I do, yes. So yeah. we, uh, w when you're, yeah, you have to raise equity, and you have to get, you know, investors and and um, the financial backing to make the movies. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and so yeah, so it's um, that's that was an entirely new experience, just the the fundraising aspect, because yeah. you know, obviously, when you're making a movie for the studio, yeah. Um, you have a they give you a, a big check and you a, a go make the movie as opposed ginormous. to having to you know put the movie together with you know a combination of equity and foreign pre-sales and tax credits and you know these the and way that I've, I've learned <laughs> yes the way I've learned that, that that it works so it's um that's been a really great learning experience though that, I bet. um you know uh how much do you have to raise uh for like I know you have an upcoming film that won uh, like the top script out of 7,000 or something that you're it, working on? I it, know it's top secret. We yeah. can't talk about what it's about or the name of it, but it's, yeah, um, it's your next project yeah. with Resonate, With right? Resonate. Um, yeah. yeah, it's... Um, it's uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, so uh, how much of a budget do you need for these independent oh, films? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, they all vary, you know, yeah. but... Um, our, the Minimal. movies that we're going to make um, at our company are generally between ten and twenty million, uh, um, and that seems like a lot of money. Yeah, to yeah. raise, and yeah. it's um, it's it is. But we also, you know, you put movies together with a combination of equity, and then you get um, it's called soft money, so that banks loan against foreign presales, and mm. and so there's, it's about a third of the movie is is money that you actually have to raise, and the rest of it is done through tax incentives and foreign presales and bank loans against those things. So wow. um, yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. But <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what's your so your next film? It, it was written by a, a friend that you knew. So yeah, what was an yeah. idea? Uh, I can tell you the name of it. It's called Give or Take. And, oh, um, I like that. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's a romantic comedy, and it's um, based on something that happened to a friend of mine a long time ago. That I always knew there was a, a movie idea in it, and um, and I finally found the right. Um, 
uh, collaborator in our screenwriter's name is Gabriel Mizrahi, and he's a, a newer writer, extremely talented, and he, um, we, we sort of wrote it together. We, we developed it together, the story, and then he actually wrote it, and um, it, yeah, it placed in the top 50 of the Nickel Fellowship. The Nickel Fellowship is the Academy Screenwriting Competition, oh. and out of 7,000 submitted scripts. So it's very prestigious, and it was um, really exciting, and yeah, we have, we're just casting now. We're out, we're out to cast, so oh fingers God, crossed. Oh my God, how yeah. fun. Yeah. So you're involved in the money fundraising, mm -hmm. selecting the script, mm -hmm. Developing the script. Developing the script and casting. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have a casting director. Right. You know, but yes, you yes, you are involved. And, you know, and it's, again, when you're making an independent film, and actually this is the same for a studio to greenlight a movie, you have to have a certain level of cast to, ju to warrant the budget. Right. You know, and that kind of thing. So it's a, you know, it's a process. But and probably to get investors, right? Yes. So that you, yeah, you have to have, you know, you have to know that your movie is going to have mm -hmm. uh, play in um, foreign territories and also that they have value domestically and mm -hmm. so it's yeah it's a complicated puzzle that you have to put together it's it's, it's so funny uh, give and take it's complicated uh -huh. it's like all the names of your movie <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, final question okay so uh, you've worked with all these different people like you just also worked on the intern with Robert De Niro uh -huh. but whether it's De Niro or Meryl Streep or mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson all these people mm -hmm. Um, how's it been to work on projects with them? I think people would like uh, to know that. Inspiring. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, you've all... really worked with the greats. Yeah. I mean, I know. I'm yeah. very lucky to have, um, you know, worked alongside Nancy and her scripts and her, um, Cast. Uh, d directing ability, you know, attracted that, that level of talent. And um, oh, we forgot to mention this next movie. You're going to direct. I'm going to direct. Oh yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. How exciting yeah. is that? I'm very excited. I'm very. You excited. really do do it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's exciting. It's um, it's a little, you know, it's scary, of course, but mostly it's um, it's really exciting, and I. Um, You've learned from the best. Yeah, I was lucky enough. I I learned from Nancy and watched her and um and. Uh, and you know, hopefully, you know, learned a lot, and um, and can apply, you know, those things to to um, to my own directing. And awesome. and yeah, I'm very excited. And I just took a class. I audited a, an acting class, so I could just watch what the actors go through. I want to understand how to speak their language. And so I'm just really trying to um, to learn. I've got a stack of books on my night table, you know, about directing actors and. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about this next chapter. What I'm fascinated about with you is you've been in this business, like how many years? 20. 20 years. Yeah. It's so cool to hear you keep growing mm -hmm. and expanding and, yeah. you know, going for it. Yeah. That's exciting. Is. You're an inspiration. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, 360 Karma is all about women helping women. Mm -hmm. And I love that the focus of your new venture uh, Resonate Films is about women. Uh, it's women writers, directors, and yeah. and cast, and and that the shows that the movies are driven toward the female audience, yeah. this underserved audience. So I'm so excited to see what you guys have coming out. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for having okay. me. It was fun. Okay. <laughs> well, we will look forward to the Resonate Films uh, geared toward the female audience. Yay! <laughs> We're all about that. And uh, we will be right back with Monica Phillips. So stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in to the Live, Love, Thrive show, where we bring you powerful and positive programming about women and those who support women's empowerment. It seems by sharing their stories and showing us their talent and potential, they remind us of our own. 
we ask you to join us weekly by taking a minute to subscribe to our 360 Karma YouTube channel so you get to see every episode of these uplifting and inspiring stories. We all need more of this, yes? And did you know we have the Live Love Thrive book on our 360 Karma website and on Amazon? If you enjoy reading books of incredible women who are doing amazing work in the world, you will want to pick up a copy. Also, when you join 360karma.com, you will enjoy our growing video content of expert advice and support and learn about our workshops and our second annual Women's Conference in West Hollywood, November 3rd and 4th of this year. If you would like to align with a like-minded, purpose-driven community, you will feel at home at 360karma.com. We encourage and support you to live the life you love. RTB Financial Group empowers women to raise the bar and take control of their financial future. For more information, visit rtbfinancialgroup.com or call Amanda Barr at 424-284-4216. The Live Love Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. And we are back with Monica Phillips. Hi, Monica. How are you? Hi, Catherine. I'm really good. Thank you for having me today. Oh, my gosh. I'm excited to have you on today. Uh, you are the director of the Friendly House. Mm -hmm. Now, some people might not know what that is, so mm -hmm. we're going to fill them in because it is the oldest mm -hmm. uh, rehab house for women mm -hmm. in, in the, the country. US, yes. In the country. I yeah, love that. Yeah. 66 years. And it's... Uh, They've had three, only three directors in yeah. 66 years, and you're the third one. Yeah. What an honor that is, yeah. huh? No, it's wonderful, and it just shows also this level of continuity. Yeah. And a solid foundation, the solid foundation that we have. It's yeah. it's pretty unique. It I is really want unique. you to come by and see I it. I want to see it, and I want other people to go by and see what you're doing there because uh, it's obviously amazing. You've been doing it for 66 years. You all have it down. <laughs> Something's working. Something's working. Yeah. And we're going to talk about your journey to getting to Friendly House okay. because it, it, it's a fascinating one. Um, but originally, mm -hmm. you were born in Bakersfield. Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain a lot. Yes, no. <laughs> I was, right? No. Bakersfield's um, actually pretty cool. Yeah. It is. Um, but I yes, think I, I drove through there. there once. Yeah. If yeah. you get off, there's some cool things to do, yeah. actually. But yeah. So how did growing up in Bakersfield to, you had a, a Brazilian mom. Mm-hmm. And a, and a Southern dad. Yeah, dad. That yeah, his, from the South. Yeah, that was born in Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, there's a combination. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, there is. They met on a Greyhound bus um, out in the desert, but that's a whole other story. That's but, a whole other Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't raised in Bakersfield, though. Right. So yeah. your, your parents ended up divorcing. Yes. And you ended up living with the grandparents, right? And my mom. And yes. your mom. So, yes. And you explained to me that... Uh, Pretty much Portuguese was spoken mm -hmm. in the household, right? Yep. So, yeah. As a kid, that had to have been challenging. It you, was. Your parents' divorce, you're put in the situation yeah. where they're only speaking Portuguese. I can yeah. imagine that was kind of like, you know, life changing. And It was. Yeah. And, you know, Catherine, my, um, my mom, right as, as soon as we left my dad and we moved into this apartment and the grandparents came from Brazil to help, you know, take care of me. Yeah. And um, my so mom. So you didn't really know them. 
No, I didn't know them at all. Oh my gosh! And so you're all Portuguese. of a sudden living with these grandparents from Brazil that you yes. haven't really met, yes. and they don't speak English. Yes, yeah, and we're wow. living in this teeny apartment in Echo Park, and then my aunt came, and all these people are living there. Oh my gosh! And honestly, I loved it. And how old it. were you then? I was around five, six, five but I loved it. Yeah, I loved the food. I loved the love. Yeah, I loved. I just loved it. Who doesn't love Brazilian food? And my great grandma moved in, yeah. and but my mom got this horrific disease, oh my um, gosh. which is like a hybrid between leprosy and skin cancer. Oh my gosh! So she was put into USC Medical Center downtown, and that I was see. another experience that I had as a child of mm -hmm. being raised basically that big trauma happening and then being raised by the grandparents and the great grandma and the aunt who all were wonderful but it was traumatic right so <clears throat> that kind of led you down a path of how do i deal with this childhood that i've had yeah. and so while you're rising up the corporate ladder doing amazing work ended up top at nike right yeah you know heading up north america right i mean you had a yeah, huge job it was the america's region it was um actually it's central america south america wow. and all of canada oh my gosh yeah so you're heading up all that for nike but not feeling all that happy because i have this little problem called yeah. alcoholism right that's in the closet right and i knew there was something there because Catherine, I gotta tell you, I was always last man standing mm -hmm. at a party. Right. I could I could drink like a lot. Yeah. And I always thought that was a little odd. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the party to end. Yeah. And then there there were a lot of other social cues that I was noticing about myself, but I was functioning. Right. So it just kind of kept going into the back of right. my head. Right. But. Um, yeah, I just knew that something was very, very off. And I only started drinking truly alcoholically when I, I'm 51 now, mm -hmm. um, when I was around 35. Yeah. So prior to that, you were just kind of party girl and partying a lot. Yeah. Holding it together. Right. Um, always on a plane because yeah. my territory was global. Do you think the drinking <clears throat> was that you were dealing with all the trauma of your uh, childhood? Could have been. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah. I always. I just say that because I know there's probably people listening. They're yeah. saying, you know, I'm not sure if I'm an alcoholic. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I just like to drink. Yeah. You know, I think people make up excuses. We don't want to see yeah. it. But I want to have this honest conversation with you that we can help people identify yeah. if them or someone they love does need help because that's what Friendly House is about. I think there was a ton of trauma. Yeah. that I didn't from my childhood that I never dealt with. Right. And that, and don't you think that's common? I think oh, it's common. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that created common. a lot of things of how I reacted to things. Mm -hmm. And people take it out in different ways. Yes. For some people, it is alcohol or drugs. I know mm -hmm. you said there was a combination for mm -hmm. you. Uh, other people take it out in other ways. Oh, it could be sex addiction. Right. It could be shopping. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, all, there's all food. Right, you know, Twinkies. and I think yeah. that at the end of the day, yeah. just if I had to do like a one line of why is that? Yeah, is that we all as addicts and alcoholics, we have this hole, right, in our soul. People are trying to fill it, and, and people we're trying fill to fill it, it, it in different ways. Yes, and right. we're trying to fill it, yeah, and not realizing that it's really more of an inside job, right? Dealing so with all of that. You, you you were sharing with me. I think guess I can share it that you, you didn't have a college degree, but right. here you were rising up the ranks of mm -hmm. uh, Nike, I mean, huge corporate world, yeah. uh, and, and top of your game. 
even that sometimes d- triggers people too. Like, oh, do I deserve to be where I am? Oh my God, and, that know, was that every day. Thing. That's it. Yeah, that I mean, was that's a, whole a lot other of people. That's very mind common. Trip that yeah. I would go through. Yeah. Like today's the day. They're yeah. going to figure out that I'm really a fraud <laughs> and that I'm really, I, I'm horrible at everything. And, and always this constant level of fear. Yeah. You know, there's, that's one of the most common things that people go through. Uh, you know, I never knew that, but I've read that recently, mm-hmm. especially like uh, Rhonda Britton was just on. It's in her book called Fearless Living. And that is one of the most common things. People yeah. feel like a fraud, like, oh, yeah. I don't really belong here. Yeah. Or, I'm yeah. not good enough to be uh-huh. in this job or this yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, so who knew? But uh at least for people to understand Mm -hmm. that filling that void Mm -hmm. or dealing with the pain uh, with alcohol and drugs is, you know, they're not alone, right? Not at all. And there is somewhere to get help. Mm -hmm. But how do they identify if they just like to have a cocktail and relax or if they actually are an alcoholic? How do you measure that? Well, I think that that is basically is, is your life unmanageable? Are you finding, even if you're highly functioning, how are you feeling inside at the end of the day? Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Are you, because you should be feeling happy. You should be feeling happy right. and content and mm-hmm. joyful. Right. And getting, you know, having more positive thoughts than negative thoughts. Right. And so there's a lot of things to look at. And I never could answer yes to all those things that we just discussed. Right. I had, you know, the so job, you had the, the job, title, the, the money, house, the everything, the, the right yeah. zip code, the cars in the driveway all that stuff and felt like I'm not good enough. I want to change this feeling. If I have a drink, I can change the feeling. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to not be in my skin. Right. Now, and not you think being that's how somebody is, would identify it. That's a it, some of it. Yes, that's some of it. Yes. OK, so if they're feeling discontent, maybe that they don't measure up or uh, that they're not feeling happy, even though they're maybe doing what they love, mm-hmm. even if they're doing what they love, mm-hmm. but they're not feeling happy, mm-hmm. then take the temperature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then does that happiness come when you take that drink? Right. Does that do it? Right. Is that the cherry on your Sunday? Right. And then that only works for so long, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, because, because people keep trying to get that feeling back. And you're, you're chasing it. Yeah. You're chasing the party. Yeah. I want the party. Party died 10 years ago. People right. People are still chasing that. Chasing but the also, party. as you drink, your yeah. tolerance level's going up. Right. So by the time that I was at my bottom, right. I was drinking a big bottle of tequila probably every 48 hours, wow. going through the whole thing. Yeah. And no sleep. And you said you'd sleep. step out from work and take a swig and go back to work. and Yeah, and I would do when I was at Disney, I would leave Disney and then um, make up some kind of appointments and to go over the hill and go to Moose on Franks. Oh, I, and sit not in, for nothing, but I love Moose on Franks. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> sit in a booth yeah. and drink, yeah. drink and drink. Wow. And then drive. You yeah. know, then I had to start drinking during the day. Then right. I had to start drinking in the morning. And that's the other thing. Uh, just the driving alone is just so dangerous. You could end up losing your job, killing somebody. Never you occurred know. to me. Yeah. Wow. Never, Never occurred, occurred to me because, because the, the drink, drink was, was more important. important. Yeah. yeah. So that's another that's another good check the box. Do, am I revolving yes. my daily schedule around drinking? Right. And only wanting to hang out with people that drink. Absolutely. And if I'm going to go hang out with people that drink at dinner, I can't drink just like one. So I'm going to drink a couple before I go. Right. Have that one maintenance, maybe two, but then I got to get out of there early so I can drink more. Right. So how did you get off this bus? (laughs) Uh, 
The bus took a while for me to get off of. I went through a pretty traumatic divorce with my husband when I because was... Because of the alcoholism? No, because um, he had an affair. Oh, and, well, um, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And my big, beautiful life um, and my retail stores and my gallery, and it just it all went away within mm -hmm. a very short period as divorce does mm -hmm. um, and I had to move and my stepdaughters were gone and I just started drinking a lot a lot mm -hmm. and I didn't like it I was right. like holding my nose at first and yeah. drinking but it would numb me right. and I'd pass out oh and then gosh. wake up and have all those horrible feelings again but so that kept progressing right um, by the end I had lost the businesses lost the job at Disney was living in my apartment alone on a raw mattress in my living room because it was easier to crawl to the bathroom and uh, throwing up blood. Oh my gosh. And I got into a horrific um, car accident. Now when you get into a bad car accident and they come to the scene and they see that you're drunk, they take you to a hospital but they handcuff you to the bed. Oh my gosh. And that was a moment of clarity for wow. me. Wow. Did not know that. How did I get from yeah. being what I was to I'm handcuffed to a hospital bed? Wow. Here's a wake-up call. Right? But some people still don't take it. And then they yeah. took me to yeah. jail after that, after right. I'd been stabilized. Oh and then gosh. there was that clarity of me wow. looking at um, most of the women that I was incarcerated with for that, I think it was a 72-hour period, were not like me. Right. And I wasn't used to being shackled to other people to walk and just, it was really just humbling. humiliating and humbling, humbling yeah. and just There's so tragically sad. Right. You know, my, my family didn't raise me right. to be this person. So let's go to the happy part of the yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you end up at Friendly House. Yes. How'd you get there? Um, I got a list from the hospital of rehabs. I called and I uh, was open. I surrendered. I was willing mm -hmm. and I went and as soon as I crossed the threshold I was what do you guys got here because I need help right. desperately need help right. and because I had what we call that gift of desperation it worked for mm -hmm. me and, I and how long did it take you to actually you know feel better it was around that last week of my 30 days. I remember calling my oh, mother. So that, uh, you know what? That's reassuring working. to people to know that within 30 days you could actually feel mm -hmm. better. Oh, absolutely. Wow. That's and things were coming back to me like, oh, I actually like to read. I like to take care of my skin. Mm -hmm. I like to get up early. I, mm. You know, all these things that had just gone out the window. Right. You had lost yourself in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, completely. And my identity. I didn't really even remember what motivated me anymore yeah. what made me happy and then you started uh volunteering at this friendly i house, started yes? volunteering and then i started as a, a weekend driver and um sort of like a technician someone that would drive the women to aa meetings give them medications just help mm -hmm. and because um, it feels good to give back right oh, i loved it yeah loved it yeah and then uh about two years into that now mind you i'm just doing this when mm -hmm. i had this amazing other background mm -hmm. which is so different yeah. the executive director Peggy Albrecht approached me and she said I need to have someone else in line to do this and wow. would you be interested in that and I was just floored so for the past eight years basically she mentored me Wow! and so 
that's now how I've become the executive director. Oh, and I love it. You know, I was able to take some of the skill set of mm -hmm. the business background and apply it to this because it is a foundation. But um, I never knew that I had the compassion and all of those emotions and feelings that you really need to have to help another human being. Right. I didn't know I had that. You didn't know you were capable. Right. But but the, that's what happens. I guess the, the alcohol kind of uh, masked that. Well, and all that's yeah. away. All that's been taken away. So that nervousness and that insecurity and that fear and all that stuff mm -hmm. has moved. And so it's not there anymore. what happens if somebody says, you know what, I need to go there? Mm. Uh, they go over to Friendly House and say, I need your help? Or how does it work? I'd suggest they go to the website, uh -huh. look at it, okay. check it out, call the admissions line. Is that FriendlyHouse.org? FriendlyHouseLA.org. FriendlyHouseLA.org. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we have it up. Yep. And mm -hmm. um, I will answer the admissions line myself. And they can talk to me. And I can do a phone assessment. I love they that. They can also come and meet me. Mm -hmm. and take a tour of the facility. If they're in a detox facility, um, I get a call from the discharge planners. But for that woman who just wants to reach out, and I get a lot of calls saying, this isn't about me, yeah. this is about my friend. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. and those calls are very welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we can talk about, and it's all con in confidentiality. Mm -hmm. um, there is uh, some laws that I can't repeat, mm -hmm. you know, to accept my staff, mm -hmm. any woman that calls. And so it's confidential. Okay. And so they come in and uh, is it somewhere they live? Yes. Okay. Yes. So they live there. So it's a rehab. You live in the rehab. And it's, we like to say it's a 90 day program. Mm -hmm. That's where we really see the magic happen mm -hmm. and see a woman be able to just change her attitude about everything. Does someone say, because I feel like there are always excuses, well, I couldn't go live there for 90 days because I work. Sure. So. Sure. And then there's a minimum of 30 days. Okay. So, you know, but it's nothing less than 30 days. So it, 30 days they would take off from work and they would. Leave yeah. of absence. Mm -hmm. If, you know, we can absolutely work with their HR department or what have you, disability mm -hmm. or, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different things to think of, but it's very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. for that Do you woman. find uh, big companies are very much behind helping people with this? Mostly. Mm -hmm. And then we have other women that come to us that it's very interesting to me. The HR, the personnel will look at it as a moral issue, mm -hmm. that it's a choice they're making mm -hmm. as opposed to that it's a disease mm -hmm. and that this person needs help. But then I imagine there's some companies that are very supportive, like, yes, yes of course we'll help you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The airlines are great. It depends on the industry. Uh-huh. It just depends on the industry and what, yeah. what they have set up. Right. So how did uh, Friendly House get started? Friendly House got started in a very interesting story in that um, it was started by B. Jorgensen. She was a fall-down drunk who was living in the Hollywood Hills in a beautiful house with her very um, eloquent and handsome and successful producer husband in the late 40s. Wow. And she decided that she needed to get help, so she started going um, to a 12-step program. And she made herself a promise that if she could get a year of sobriety, she was gonna do something for other women, because she had the financial it. background and, yeah. and foundation to do that. And so she went to the LA County Jail downtown, and she approached the LA... Um, After she was sober for a year. Yep, yeah. and she approached the um, LA Sheriff and said, I wanna bring in 12-step programs 
into this facility. And they said, well, we don't do that for women. We do it for men. She goes, well, why can't we do it for women? <gasps> You're kidding. And so she became this female advocate. She was there every day. And they were like, okay, fine. You're bugging us. You can bring it in at 7 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And you have to bring all your own stuff. And you have to set up your own chairs. She was like, great. Wow. So she did. And it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger each week. And then she was noticing that they had nowhere to go. And this one woman in particular came up to her and said, it's really nice that you bring your coffee and your brownies and all this literature, but we don't have anywhere to go once we leave here. So she went, okay, great, I'm gonna go rent a house and we're gonna create some type of program where you women can go to. That's how it started. Wow, and, and that was 66 years ago. That was 66 years ago, and we still are at that location. And where is that? It's right in the Mid-Wilshire District, right next to Hancock Park, between Hancock Park and Koreatown, Wilshire Corridor. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, in the area many, by the, where the Ambassador Hotel used to be. How many uh, uh, people can stay there at one 12. time? Twelve. So Twelve. So it's still 12 to this day. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and so they stay, like, anywhere from 30 to 90 days 30 to 90 days yeah. and then we have a sober living mm-hmm. um, over on more the Culver City area Cheviot Hills and that was donated to us by William Shatner oh. because his wife went through friendly house so they go through friendly house and then they can go live at they the have other? that option oh, wow. and we also are Switzerland within the recovery community we're friends with everyone so if you've gone through Betty Ford um, you know, treatment out in the desert, you can come to our sober living. Well, I heard that when she set up Betty Ford Center that she came to you all to learn she did. the how to set it up and all the she protocol. She did, she did. Yeah. Uh, we, she came and she called B. Jorgensen and said, I have no problem with the capital, the startup capital, and I have this idea and I want to talk to you. And she came to Friendly House. They became really good friends. Uh, she was our very first honoree at our first awards luncheon 28 years ago. Wow. And she became a very, very important friend and donor. And, and you do this every us. year now? We do. Our next one comes up on October 28th. Wonderful. And where is that at? That's at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. At the Beverly Hilton mm-hmm. on October 28th. October 28th. And it's a fundraiser, so if people feel that this is something near and dear to their heart mm-hmm. to help uh women with alcoholism then that would be a wonderful thing to attend absolutely or donate to absolutely or volunteer absolutely all of those uh-huh. yeah amazing silent auction yeah. between six to eight hundred people come every year and we always honor uh, women and men that have been philanthropic or mm-hmm. that have been really doers in the community what about peggy albright so uh, after b started it peggy mm-hmm. albright took over and she has been the executive director for how long it would be going on 36 years. Wow. Yeah, and she's going wow. on her 46th year of sobriety. And isn't she like 90 or something? Or, yeah, she's She a, doesn't want to hear you say oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> she's in that age range, Yeah, yes. I mean, th- that's amazing. And still working, and yeah. I think that's so cool. Yeah. She's know. now moved to our board chair, and she is a force. And when it comes to, I call her Yoda. Because when it comes to dealing with women and the disease of alcoholism, if I have a particularly hard case as far as a personality, whenever I sit down and talk to her, she always has amazing insight because she's been working with women. For 36 years. Wow. Yeah. And she is smart as a whip Mm -hmm. and she's kind. What brought her there? Was she a patient? No, she wasn't. She was working for a um, Fortune 500 company Mm -hmm. and she was laid off. 
and she was a member of a 12-step program. And mm -hmm. she heard through the grapevine that this place called Friendly House needed a director. And uh, women in, in her program said, why don't you go check it out? You're smart, you've got business savvy. And yeah. she's like, what am I gonna do there? And so she went and she said, I'll do this for six months. Oh my gosh. And now she just <laughs> moved into the board chair position. So she loved it. Be careful what you say. <laughs> right, yeah. There is something Oops. about it, Catherine, the, the job itself that making a difference for women there's just something it's it's the best ride home at night most nights you know yeah, it's, i think it really is uh, every, it blows the other things away from me yeah i think uh, everyone should figure out what is their gift mm -hmm. and what's going to be their legacy yeah and obviously this is your gift and this is your legacy mm -hmm. and how wonderful is that yeah uh, imagine you'll you know hey maybe you'll be there till you're 90. <laughs> who knows who knows? Right? <laughs> who knows what the plan is but, but what a great job helping women every you. day to overcome that really terrible disease mm -hmm. and um you know hopefully what we've said today will make people recognize uh in themselves or in people they love how there is help out there yes and thank yes. you for all the great work you're doing oh thank you Catherine. i really appreciate, appreciate you it. having me on and I would love to talk to any of your listeners or thank viewers you. that thank feel that you. they need help. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. You're and uh, if you want to learn more about Friendly House, well, uh, go to their website, friendlyhousela.org. <laughs> and don't forget their fundraiser is October 28th. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Make it a great day. Hugs and happiness. Mm -hmm.